0: Oh, hello, hello, <clears throat> and good morning. Excuse me. Welcome to WDGS three thirty three on your podcast station. Good morning, good morning. This is a marvelous, meaningful Monday, and do I have a marvelous, meaningful word from the Lord? I am so delighted that you have tuned in. You are now listening to Alfreda, your host, bringing you the most from What Did God Say? You know, today, 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 this morning when I rose, I didn't have no doubt. I had a little pain, but I didn't have no doubt that God would take care of me and lead and guide me all the way. On this marvelous, meaningful Monday, I tell you, when I woke up this morning, you know, oftentimes uh, God give me a word for whatever he had me meditating on. And this morning, you know, I kept meditating and meditating on <clears throat> people who are in the fellowship of faith. Now, I'm just specifically say, well, yeah, people, people, but mostly men. And I tell you how I came to this forethought because, you know, I just was reflecting, you know, reflection and rewinding and revisiting can be very instrumental in understanding who you are. In understanding who you are, it's imperative that we spend some time reflecting, rewinding, and revisiting. Sometimes we need to think back why we made the mistake that we made or what happened to us. Why did it happen? And oftentimes, sometimes it may be because we were not paying attention or we was not armed with the right thing in our lives. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And the scripture I'm going to come from is from Acts, Acts chapter 1 through 15. I'm not going to read the scripture this morning, but I'm just going to expound a little bit from it because of the message that God gave me for this marvelous, meaningful Monday. The first thing he brought to my spirit about meaningful is life. You know, our life is marvelous and our life is meaningful. And then God began to step me through ages, stages, and pages of our lives. You know, the most prevalent ages God began to minister to me was when I was 12. I remember when I was 12, I couldn't wait to be 13. That was such an exciting birthday at 12 because I knew the next birthday I would be considered a teenager. And then once we become 12 and we get into our teenage stage, you know, well, society has made sweet 16, sweet 16, that other next number. Well, our birthdays are generally celebrated in a way, and I don't know why they pick sweet 16 instead of sweet 17, but or sweet 18, because that's when they get a little sweeter when you're actually 18, because you're graduating from college. And then, of course, 21. You know, most people will remember 21 because the law makes you an official adult to be able to purchase alcohol without doing it illegal or having someone else to do it. I'm just trying to be real this morning. Amen. Now, the age between 21, you know, we may celebrate our birthdays, but the next age that becomes pivotal is age 30. And from age 30... It's like every decade God brought this to my spirit that our body go through some metamorphosis changes. Every decade that we enter and embark upon. So 30, then we celebrate again, usually at 40. Then, of course, everybody you know at 50. Then 60, then 70. And the Bible says that three scores and 10 years is the good measure for life. Now, that's in the Bible. And three scores represents 60 because one score represents 20 years. So three scores is 60 years it? and then 10 which equals 70 is considered good measure for having a good life. You know and the old people used to tell us that if you live past 70 you live in somebody else's life who probably done left here prematurely for making the wrong decisions. But I want to just point out those ages and the significance of those ages. But one thing when I hit 50, you know, oh my God. And God began to minister to me. He said to me at 50 years old, I remember, he said, now you've reached half of a hundred. And the probabilities of living another 50 years in reality is slim to none. That's why I tell people if you've reached 50, your life ...should become meaningful. The things you used to do... ...because this is what God said to me. I'm going to just talk about what God said to me. He said, now, if you didn't get your... ...I gave you 50 years. Now, out of those 50 years... you know ...I had you under your grandmother... ...to nurture you and teach you and lead and guide you. But when you came of age... ...what we consider of age... ...is like anything over 12... ...according to, you know, Bible... ...and the Jewish tradition... You know, you had an ability to learn to make proper and right choices. Now, whether you chose to do them or not, that befell on you. But by the time you're 50, you live long enough to have understood, hopefully you should understand, life in a better perspective. Because the probability of you getting an opportunity to live 50 more years and realize if the last 50 years you haven't made any substantial changes, you haven't made any substantial foundations, then you know that speak volumes to your inward character. And I'm not talking about changes where you you got all your retirement money put together and you and you have all of your houses, you know, lined up in your cars and, and all of this. I'm talking about inward changes, inward changes to the point that the choices that you made and from the place that you made them, because you was an unlearned student in the spirit realm. That's the kind of talk changes I'm talking about. Because once, one thing I say, once I pass 50, every year that God blessed me to live past that, one thing is a reality. I'm getting closer to the grave. I mean, from the day we're born, we all are designed by God to reach an expiration date on earth. But I say if you live past 50, that means you half of 100, your probabilities become slimmer and slimmer and slimmer for every year that you are graced to have a marvelous life. Can you make it meaningful? Now the next thing, like I said, he gave me ages. And then he gave me stages. And see, the stages that we go through in life oftentimes are the things that we deal with from our psyche of of tradition, training, and trauma. And I got that from Apostle Oak, so I like to quote the, the reference when things are not originally mine. Now, in those stages of tradition, training, and trauma, we encounter a lot of stuff on our journey, especially between birth and 50 years old. Now, after 50, and I'm going to tell you this, how I'm coming on into the messages, bear with me. After 50 is when I made some real clear conscious decisions. I, I, I tell you, I like married life, and I, I desire to be married, and I've been married, and and things just didn't work out but i came to discover and i don't know how many of you know this but whoever you yoked with if you're not equally yoked then the marvelous meaning for your life would not carry the same meaning and it definitely won't be marvelous see and and so what happened with me i came to realize even though i've gone through some ages excuse me, and I've been through some stages, I wasn't yoked with a person where we were on the same pages. Now, that just don't mean in a marriage. That means in your inner circle. Oh, my God. When you connect yourself around people and you're not on the same pages, then what happens, it brings frictions to the marvelous meaning of your life. And I'm going to get on down and, and tell you why I say that from Acts 19. Now, when you're on the same page, you generally be on the same mindset of what's meaningful in your life. You know, relationships with like spirits on the same page. And although we may have went through various stages, but primarily, we become to a place to let this mind be in us that's in Christ Jesus. Now, that's who I want to address. People who really believe that. The mind that you have in that in that scripture, that it should be the same mind as Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit about that. And I'm not going to hold you too long this morning because I know you're probably moving in your car trying to get to work. But that's okay. You can put your earplugs on and you can still carry this podcast on with you. Just don't ignore people when they're trying to tap you to know, to hear them. But what happened was this. After 50... I thought that I would be from when I was younger. Let me me rewind a little bit. When I was 25, I made a declaration. I said at 50 years old, I want to have a wonderful husband and I want to be a self-made millionaire. Well, when I turned 50, I didn't have either one. I didn't have millions and I didn't have a wonderful husband. So God began to make me examine myself. See, because I'm not one. I, I'm sorry. I could I could have stayed married. But I'm going to tell you about me. One thing, if I didn't learn anything else from a child, I understood that life was marvelous. And life should be meaningful. And I'm just saying me now. This, this is not to give anybody any ideas. But me, I refuse to stay yoked with someone. If I married them, we put forth the energy and the effort to try and make it work and it don't work. And I had that adopted spirit even in my relationships when I wasn't married. I give it a time frame. It can be a few weeks, a few days, a few months, or a few years. But once I realized and recognized it was not working, I had to depart ways. Oh, my God. That's not a bad thing to do either. It's not a bad thing to do. Sometimes you have to detach yourself from people who you already recognize is not going to have your life in a marvelous and meaningful way. Because otherwise, what you find yourself doing is just exerting energy. You're exerting energy into a relationship where you have came to a clear cut understanding. This person, they're not trying to work with me. And that don't mean they're a bad person. It doesn't. They could be wonderful people. My two exes, they will make someone a good husband. Because it's a lot of good qualities that they had. But see, when you when you're trying to have the mind of Christ, oh my God. And you're walking on a different pathway. See, that's when you're on different pages. There are some similarities. There were some things that kept us in the same book. But we definitely were not on the same pages. And see, that's because our mind, our thought process was different. You know what I tell you right quick? And I'm going to have to tell you this right quick. The, recently, the I thought that I thought that I thought, I thought, listen to me. I thought that I knew I was a believer of God without a shadow of a doubt. And I thought because I read the Bible and because there were certain things that the Holy Spirit would lead and guide me into truth and knowing that, okay, I got this. But, oh, let me tell you, until the first of this year, when I was commissioned by God. To put so much time and energy into studying those four Gospels. I'm talking about I done went over and rewind. the made notes. Rewind. I'm going to tell you the most powerful thing that occurred to me on my 40-day journey with Jesus. And studying about Jesus. I came to realize, and I hope somebody hear this, a lot of people can talk scripture. They can do the dance. They can prophesy. They can cast out demons. They can do all the things that the Bible said that, that there will be people with those gifts to do. Oh, my God. But having the mind of Christ, I came to observation. It's about to be Obsolete. They have the gifts. They go through the protocol. They, they commune with the fellowship. But the mind of Christ, I'm going to tell you something. To know the mind of Christ, it will require you to study Christ. I'm not just talking about read about him. I'm saying study. And the more I began to study about Christ, the one thing I realized, he was always being questioned. And if he wasn't being questioned, he God would give him an insight and say, okay, those people finna come against you. And the Bible says sometimes he would just be done perform miracles. But he the Bible said God, he knew they thoughts and he would get out from around them. He would detach himself from people after he done performed miracles. He didn't hang around. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees was always questioning, why you do what you did on a Sabbath day? Because they was going by the old Mosaic laws. And on the Sabbath day, they, they was teaching people, they were teaching now from the synagogues, that you're not supposed to engage to do anything on the Sabbath day. But Jesus kept exposing them when he said, well, let me ask you this. So you you don't get up in the morning and take your ox and go feed your ox some water? Is that not work? But when I want to work on helping somebody be healed and helping somebody receive an enlightenment of God, the Father. Do you, you agree we both have the same Father? See, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they believed in God. But they didn't understand the miracles of God coming through a physical person. See, they felt like all of that came from the prophets of old. You know, the patriots, Because, see, they didn't operate in miracles. The only miracles they knew at that time and during that time spread was those who was like soothsayers and ecstasies. People of those sorts, you know people with different sorts of spirits but the underlining purpose of those spirits wasn't to be a blessing to our father in heaven do you know anybody like that they may have all these gifts and talents and sometimes people exercise them for show and tell But it has nothing to do with being transformed in their lives. They have the same mind as Christ. Because I'm going to tell you what I realize the more I study about Christ. And I encourage, I encourage, I encourage anyone. I mean, I have Bibles on top of Bibles and study material. But that Bible app, it keeps the word of God in a constant in my ear. And sometime like yesterday on Father's Day, I sat there and I kept going over the book of Luke and the book of John and this morning Acts. And when I would hear it, I go back, I replay it. I go back, I replay it. And you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is the four Gospels, that's generally where, where Jesus, the most of Jesus' work, were recorded by four different people. That's why a lot of times some of the information in the four Gospels is similar. So, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John has recording of a lot of things that Jesus did, but sometimes they might have wrote it in a shorter version, and one author wrote it in a longer version. But nevertheless, it's supposed to circumference the life and the walk of Jesus. So, if you want to understand how to have a mind of Christ, it will be imperative, just like the only way you're going to know God, you must get into the Word of God from Genesis, to Revelations, and even the so-called lost books because they're not lost. You know, some of the Maccabees and the other books that were inserted originally between the Old Testament and the New Testament that a lot of people don't even engage their, their households of faith to even embark upon studying or reading from. But I tell you, they are very powerful very, very powerful because I have embarked upon studying in them. But I said all that to say this. If you want to have the mind of Christ, it's imperative that you study the walk of Jesus. You know, Jesus is our Lord and our Savior it is important to if you let this mind be in you that is also in christ jesus you cannot adopt the mind of anyone without studying that individual and that's why i used to tell people i know my children i know every last one of them i know their spirit because i studied them i watched them i raised them and in raising them it's imperative that you study them. And that's why sometimes when your children, you ask them a question and you say, well, did you do that? I didn't do that. But you already know. Because you studied their habits. You studied their patterns. You know what make them tick tock. And you know the things that they don't stop. So I'm just saying, sometimes you don't have to be questioning people. When things happen in your circle around you and you studied that individual, you already know what time it is. You don't need to ask questions, cause people will show you who they are. That's one quote from Maya Angelou. People will show you who they are. Uh, is that Iyama? It might be Iyama. All you have, yeah, that's Iyama. All you have to do is just pay attention. They'll show you. Keep talking to them. They'll tell you some things, and they'll ask you some things, If you just sit back. And this is where the Holy Ghost come in, because I know y'all in a hurry. The Holy Ghost, I'm going to tell you how powerful the Holy Ghost is. The Holy Ghost is the teacher, the leader, and the guider into all truth. It leads you in the path of righteousness. It guides you which direction to go in, and it teaches you the truth. When you find a person that constantly lies, I'm going to tell you right now, the Holy Ghost is not present in their lives. I, I, I'm just being honest. Because if it is, that means God is a lie. His word is not true. But the Holy Ghost is going to teach you the truth. And whether you want to tell it or not, you can't even help yourself. You have to tell it. So when you find people that's always telling lies and of flies, they may be believers. But they may not have the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you, they don't have the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost makes you do two things it makes you bold and it makes you honest. I'm just saying. And I'm not talking about being bold where you just go around and feel like you feel comfortable to tell people anything you want to say out of order to them or about them. But I mean bold in God, bold in the word of God. Okay? Let's stay, let's get that understanding. Now from Acts the 19th chapter, oh my God, you know Paul had went to Ephesus and this one I'm gonna tie this thing in and I'm, I'm gonna bring the podcast to an end. Paul went to Ephesus and he went there to teach the churches the correct thing to do. So all throughout his journey, Paul was instructed by God to instruct people in the church, not people in the world, Now, people in the church, how to conduct themselves and how to act. So when Paul went to Ephesus, he, 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 he was in this church, this synagogue, this church, and he was teaching about the kingdom of God. But there was so much resistance. He said in his teaching, he was there for three months. and the entire three months, he, the Bible says he was always in dispute and contingent with these people in the church. Oh, my God. I hope somebody feel where I'm going today. <laughs> Now, we're talking about Paul, who, who originally was Saul, who was changed on the road to Damascus, and God converted him and changed his name from soil to Paul. And no other person knew about these. When it came to church people, that used to be Paul's occupation. Oh, my God. He was a persecutor for church folks. But then he became... A, 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 a prisoner of God's word for church, folks. Oh, my God. So when he went to this church for three months, he was trying to teach these people. But I'm telling you, the Bible said that after three months, he left and he went over to a school and he was able to work in that school for two years. So what did that tell you? What does that tell you? This man came on a mission from God, went up in the church and he couldn't even stay up in there. Because everybody who talking about let this mind be in you that's in Christ Jesus, they don't have the mind of Christ. They may have gifts and talents, but the mind of Christ, I'm going to tell you something, it get deep when you stand about it, honey. Jesus be telling people, listen here, whatever you do, don't worry about it. Because the kingdom of God is at hand. Whatever you need, God got it. The earth is yours and the fullness thereof and everything that dwells therein. He said when you give, give freely. Don't look for nothing in return. And I've never seen so many people that's connected in what's called the fellowship of faith. That whatever they li- release, they looking for it in return. And if you don't give it to them, I'm going to tell you, they're going to write fallout with you. People don't know how to release stuff and say, okay, God, you bless me with it. I release it. And when you get ready to give it back, you will. Or people don't know how to even have a conversation with you in a Christ-like manner. I had somebody to tell me not long ago, they said, well, you know, women, they just love to talk about God, talk about God, talk about God. That's all they want to talk about. But then, you know, I'm thinking it's listening in my mind. But you got people, and I'm just saying, you know, you know I got to keep it 1,000 brothers. All they want to do is talk about sex, talk about sex, and talk about sex. And I'm thinking, you know, you got some brothers, and, and that's how I came to my forethought this morning. What is going on with these people? Who And I'm saying they have positions in the church. One was in the pulpit with a full-length robe. You know, I'm talking about when I turned 50. When I turned 50, I, used to, I said, okay, I'm going to get me a, a saved man, a godly man. And, um, you know, I used to even say that, And you know, when I was married and my ex would say, yeah, just keep on thinking you're going to get one of them church men. You, you you okay. You don't know what they turn out to be. You don't know what's going on in their background. Because cause they, cause they just sued sales. You know, he had a way of just saying stuff sometimes. But the more I have engaged, the more surprising I have been. Because if they wasn't a Bible scholar. In the pulpit, regular praying person—I mean, they carried the traits and the attributes. But the bottom line was just wasn't. Actually, I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be—it was worse than the the, the, the the sexual, sensual conversations from every one of those per male church components was worse than any man that I encounter from just being in the street. And that—that that breaks my heart to have to say that. 'm I'm not I'm not grouping the ones I dealt with with all the men so don't don't take it the wrong way I'm just telling you about my experience and my encounters they talk more about lustful engagements in the bedroom than brothers that I've known throughout my whole life from the street I'm talking about brothers from the church okay in the church deacons and Laban's and all this. So I, that was the that was the thing from yesterday. What I've been questioning and praying to God. So I'm gonna tell you how God is and how the Holy Ghost moves. He took me to Acts the 19th chapter, and I'm gonna wind this up. So when Paul went in this church, he couldn't be there for three months, three months, and he had to come up out of there because the people' mind was not the same as in Christ. But before Paul got to that church in Ephesus, he he ran into 12 disciples. You know, it's all disciples. They, they brothers in the church in positions too. So he asked them, he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And that's when God hit it. He said, okay, you ran into some believers, but you ain't met no brother with the Holy Ghost. See, it's a difference when people in the church and they believers. You can be a believer. You can be a bona fide, true, thoroughbred Christian. But he asked them, he said, but have you received the Holy Ghost? And I'm going to tell you what they had. Or that's it to say the Paul, but they were just transparent and keeping it real. They said, we, we ain't even never heard of that. What is, what is that? And they said, well, we we we." he said, well, how did you come about your belief? And they said, well, we were baptized by John. You know, we came under the belief of John baptism. He said, oh, okay. Because see, John baptized repentance and by water. So the Bible said that Paul laid his hands on them. And immediately they received the Holy Ghost. Oh, my God. And once they got the Holy Ghost, the evidence, that's where a lot of people get it from. They begin to speak in tongues and prophesy. Now. Moving on down, Paul went to the school and he began to teach people in the school and that was his appointed time to leave. But you know, people was healed. God let people see the anointed power that he allowed to rest upon Paul's life. They said Paul could even take part of his garments and and, and make little uh, handkerchiefs. And he gave it to people to lay on them and they was healed. So if people come to you and they want to lay a handkerchief on you and stuff like that, okay, this is where symbolically they adopted this philosophy be from probably is Acts the 19th chapter based upon what happened with Paul but I'm going to tell you you have to be careful even with that because even after Paul left There was these uh, vagabond Jews. That's what the Bible called them, vagabond Jews. And what they did, they was trying to go around, you know, like a lot of people do. They want to mimic and copy off other people, but the anointing is not on their life. Hello, somebody wave your hands if you know that to be true. But anyway, these vagabond Christians, and the Bible considered them as seven sons of one Siva. And they went to this man, oh my God. And they said we cast that demons in the name of Jesus. You know, after Paul, they doing what they seen Paul do. But I tell you what the Bible said happened. That same man, he raised up in a strength, and the Bible said he overtook them. And this, and this one of the seven sons of Siva, this these the, the seven Jews and one Siva, he was a high priest. He walked in, well, let me say, he walked in the title of a high priest. But he didn't apparently have the Holy Ghost and the anointing resting upon his life. Because I'm going to tell you what ended up happening. That man they went to minister to end up jumping on their life. And according to the Bible, he overtook them, I guess, and beat them out their clothes. Because the Bible said they ran out naked. We have to be careful, people, just trying to operate on a title when you don't know that you have the Holy Ghost and the anointing on your life. Oh, my God. I hope this message helps somebody today. You know, I just want people to be encouraged to get the real unadulterated truth. Get your Bible out. Study about Jesus. I'm telling you, you can't walk up on every spirit. And you can't walk in every woman's life. And you can't walk in every man's life. And just because you talk God talking, they talk God talk, Because a lot of people during Paul era, and even when Paul arrived at Ephesus and met with them 12 disciples, just because they had that in common. Oh my God. They needed the Holy Ghost. And when a person ain't got the Holy Ghost, you know, sometimes I amuse people. I see just how far they're going to take this thing. But anytime somebody want to keep questioning your sensuality and your sexuality, and they haven't taken the time. And I got to say this and ask you what's your favorite color, what's your favorite food. You know, I think something wrong with that picture. It's like, for real though, bro? Can you put that to rest? Because one thing about talking about the Word of God, and I'm going to bring this to a close now. The Bible has answers for everything, including intimacy. So who wouldn't want to engage in that? It can tell you about money. It can it can determine how you like to budget, what you like to give, how you like to plan. I'm saying, when people get this out, you ain't got to always talk about God. Well, there's an answer for everything in the Bible, everything that goes on in your life from your wounded past, to your marvelous present, Oh my God. But sex is only one topic. The Bible is many topics. So when I hear people say that, you know, I put my radars up. But you know, I'm, I'm a face value person. So I deal with people at face value. I say, okay, I'm going to see where this is going. Let me see where this is going. Because especially when people get to telling me, you know, <laughs> they disciples of Christ. They busy in the church. Okay, let me see what is it's going. Everybody entitled to the benefit of the doubt. Amen. Amen. But just know this. Whatever spirit that you engage with, there are ages, stages, and pages. Make sure that you engage with someone who has a kindred spirit in that proper age bracket. Make sure that the stages in their lives, that's why I disclose my history, and my past to almost every brother that I encounter because they need to have a clear understanding that if God leads me to regurgitate my wounds in order to help somebody heal. I don't need them to be embarrassed and say, well, you ain't never telling me that. I know you went through that or whatever, whatever, whatever. So I just let them know, okay, if you are interested, you need to know this much about me. Because whenever God lead me to share a testimony to help and heal somebody. And I have to tell them my, my damage. Can you embrace that? Because I met a brother who was married and he had an awesome testimony about um, some journey he had went through. And he married this woman. And after he married her, now this is what God told him. He said, I want you to take your, your journey and your testimony. And I want you to deliver every person that bring on your pathway with your testimony about what you've gone through. But once he married this lady, she forbade him. Now, this is what he told me. She forbade him to share the, the depths of his testimony because she was embarrassed by it. And she told him if he get in that pulpit and tell that portion of his testimony, she would go home. And well, this is what he said. He said she would go home and throw his stuff out. Now, you know, people can, they could, they can make their mouth say anything. But how true it is, I don't know, but it's abundance. It's a bondage when you can't share with people things that you know on your journey that heal can heal them because of who you connected with. That's why my life is an open book and it's in the books on Amazon because I don't want to have to put aside my commission from God for the gratification of somebody's feelings. Amen? Amen. But on this marvelous, meaningful Monday, I encourage you to be marvelous in wherever you are and whatever you're doing today. And let it be meaningful. You know, let it be meaningful. Don't be walking around like the disciples and don't understand the true meaning of your life. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? If you are a believer, even if you are a non-believer, The first step as a non-believer is to first believe. Believe in Jesus Christ. Believe that he came, he died, he rose. That you may have life and have it more abundantly. And you can go to Romans 6 and 9 where it's the repentance prayer. And repeat it every day. Because sometimes I repeat it regularly. Because we all fall short. And we all sin and fall short. We may sin in our thoughts. And in our words and in our deeds. But the most important thing, if you believe, and I think a lot of people do, uh, that don't even recognize and realize they believe. But if you believe, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? It will bring things to your remembrance and it will give you strength. It will be your teacher, your leader, and your guide And it'll bring everything to remembrance. That's why people can't sit and tell me anything. Because I'm going to sit down and the Holy Ghost is going to bring it to my remembrance. "Mm -hmm. Remember when they said this? Remember when they said that? Because somebody said, I'm praying and fasting for this marriage to work. And you know what? It amazed me. Because God brought, let me tell you how the Holy Ghost is doing. I know I got to go. I got to let you go. The Holy Ghost said, Now, this this, is recent engagement. A person said, I'm praying and I'm fasting for this couple. And they turned around three days later and said, I introduced this person how to go get them another fish from in the sea. And I'm paraphrasing. But I'm thinking in my mind, because God said, okay, let me, let me bring some stuff back to your remembrance, the Holy Ghost said. Well, you know, why would somebody fast and pray and at the same time lead somebody to another woman? How to engage with another woman? If, if they ain't signed no divorce papers. And so I'm talking about, when people say the ink not wet wasn't no ink even put on the paper so why would you lead and guide and direct somebody to hook up with somebody else if you're trying to fast and pray see that's what I'm telling you sometimes people you, do you see the logic in that what is the logic in fasting and praying for a marriage to work but you're going to introduce a brother to, a, to how to get hooked up with another female not, and, and they ain't even said they finna divorce And even if they did say it, it take a process. The paperwork can be filled out or filed. Who knows what God may do? And at the same time, they admitted to that. Who knows how God may turn this thing around. Well, why would you infiltrate another spirit to come in the midst then? Or introduce somebody how to bring another spirit in them? Oh my God. I oh, See what I'm talking about? You have to be careful and you have to let the Holy Ghost. Sometimes you gotta be still. Let this mind be in you that is also in Christ Jesus. You gotta listen to what people say and let the Holy Spirit do you just like it used to do Jesus. Sometimes they have to take you away and set you off and you may need to pray all night to figure out what what's the real deal. Oh my God. Have a marvelous meaning for Monday. And until the next episode podcast I thank you. I appreciate you. May the blessings from heaven flow, flow, flow down into your life. Meet all of your needs, all of your good wants, and all of your heart desires. As you delight yourself in the Lord, and may you continue to prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prosper. And thanks always for tuning in to WDGS333 on your podcast station. Feel free to hit me up, give me a call, or either send me an email. All my information is listed on my Facebook page and on my what did god say ministry group page amen amen god bless marvelous meaningful monday